Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Life Over Coffee. My name is Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. I had a lady write in and she asked the question, how do you respond to an unkind Christian? And so I want to share the first part of what she asked and then I'll share the remainder and then I want to work through it uh, in this particular episode. This is number 443 in our Life Over Coffee podcast series. The title of it is, How Do You Respond to an Unkind Christian? This is what the lady asked me. She said, How do you deal with people who claim to be Christians, yet they are brutally invasive with their tactics by forcing religion down someone's throat and condemning the other person based on their past experiences and choices? That's a whopper of a question. There is only one way for secondary preferences in their view, and this person is the sole arbiter of what is right and wrong. Let me give you an example of what I am saying. Well, I'm going to give you an example of what she is saying in just a moment, and so I'll share with you the second part of her question. Now, that is a whopper of a question, and it is a big problem based on how it is stated here, but I also want you to just get an idea of our mailbag, some of the questions that people write into us. Now, we do have a private forum for our supporting community. Someone wrote in today and asked, how can I be part of that community? Well, if you are a supporter of our ministry, if you underwrite it, if you're one of the ones that help us to give our stuff away freely, then we do have a private place for you. But we also have folks who aren't able who or who don't want to support our ministry, and that is just fine with me. I want you to do what God wants you to do, but we want to serve you anyway. And they write in and ask questions, which is what we have here, and so we want to answer those questions. Now, if I do develop a podcast episode, as I am doing here with episode 443, I will flatten it out so that it does reveal specific names, geographical locations, or uh, other individuals or local churches, etc. But I also want you to get a taste of some of the stuff that we deal with. We are a frontline ministry, and many of the things that we interact with are just raw, just like this. But this is really real-world problems. I do think sometimes that Christians can have a propriety about them that really masks the reality of our lives. Now, I do believe we should practice discretion, but there should also be a realism to what we do so that we're connecting with real people living in real living rooms who are struggling with significant problems. And so as you listen to what I just shared with you thus far, you can tell this is a huge problem that this lady is struggling with. And so let me finish the question, and then I want to walk through it in the remainder of episode 443. And so, where we left off, she said, let me give you an example of what I am saying. A lady was pregnant and not married. The harsh Christian woman says the baby was a child born out of wedlock. 
So the unwed mother and the baby shouldn't be around her child because of the mother's sin of getting pregnant and not being married to the baby's father. So this is a church dust-up that is going on here. And so we have an unwed mother who is in the assembly. And there is another mother that doesn't want her child to be associated with or contaminated by this unwed mother. Now, I say that in context of what is being presented here. I don't think that way about the unwed mother at all, not by a long shot. As as a matter of fact, I have experienced this situation many years ago. I was in a church, and this happened, and one of the deacons in this church said, in fact, he called the child, quote, a bastard child. Now, that is a King James word in Hebrews chapter 12 specifically, Uh, but he said this bastard child should not be in here. And I thought, unbelievable. I mean, this this was when I was a young Christian, and and the Christian shine was still still a part of my experience. Well, you can imagine uh, that took a little bit of shine off my Christianity as I was stepping into the real world of what Christian, what some Christians can be. And so what this lady is sharing is not an anomaly. Uh, I've, I have had this experience. And so what I want to do here in episode uh, 443 is I just want to work through an eclectic list of things that I shared with this lady that's asking the question. Now, if you want to, you can go to these show notes and you can see the whole list of everything that I'm about to share with you. And also, you can use it as a template as you engage people who are unkind. And then there are also embedded links inside these show notes as well. And so this is a well-developed Um, homework assignment, you might say, uh, that you can use uh, when you're trying to think through how to respond to a harsh individual like what this lady is presenting to us. And so she said this person claimed to be a Christian and what what I said to her is that, you know, Christians can be unkind. Christians can be unkind. So just because a person is unkind, it doesn't mean that they are a Christian. My hope for her as she begins to address this situation is to be practically accurate. And I'm not sure that the lady is being practically accurate, and I'll give you two reasons why. One is what she said here. This person claims to be a Christian as though all Christians are kind Well, that's not how you become a Christian, and being kind is not a condition of Christianity. To be a Christian, you need to be regenerated by the power of the gospel, uh, not based on our works or on our kindness or unkindness. Now, granted, the fruit of the Spirit part of is kindness, and we should be kind, But I know in my own personal experience, I have been unkind many times in my life, and that is not a a condition for Christianity. And so my appeal to her, let's be practically accurate. If our goal is to help someone, we want to make sure that we're describing the situation as accurately as possible. And being unkind does not mean that this person is not a Christian. There could be a little bit of cynicism in her statement, 
And if that is true, she wants to self-assess because that needs to be extracted from her heart if she's going to be part of God's restoration team because there's two people here that need God's care. One is the arrogant Christian the harsh Christian, and the other is the shunned woman, and I'll talk about both of those in just a moment. And so the person claimed to be a Christian. Again, that's not a condition of Christianity. And number two, she said they are brutally invasive with their tactics. Now, when I read that on the face of it, that's that does not, the language doesn't sound biblical. Actually, it sounds more hyperbolic than biblical. And that's why I'm highlighting this, not as a judgment, but I just, if I'm talking to someone who is struggling as this lady is, I want to make sure that her heart is calibrated appropriately because I know that when I'm in a situation like this where I am offended by what someone has done, it is easy for me to amp up the language and amp up my own attitude toward that person, which begins to disqualify me from being part of God's restoration team. And so when she says they are brutally invasive with their tactics, that's not that's not the most accurate way of describing what is going on, and it does seem to lean into hyperbole. If you want to help someone to change, it is vital to use accurate descriptors when talking about what they are doing. And so as you're thinking through what is going on, we want to be as precise, theologically precise, and practically accurate as possible. And so my first question that I ask her how are you thinking about this sinning Christian who has sinned against this lady? That is a presuppositional question because if your heart is not in the right place as you move into practical care, if you're not thinking rightly about the individual, then we can complicate that relationship because we are offended, we are put off, we are annoyed by what is going on. Now, again, I'm not saying that that is what's going on in this lady's heart, but I think it's fair, and I think you understand that this is something that we should address because I know that you have been in a similar boat as I have when you were annoyed or offended by someone and you launched out into taking care of the problem and it only complicated the problem. And so that's thing number one. I want to carefully assess, have her to assess her heart. And then number two, I want her to as she is assessing her heart, I want her to start with God before she begins with uh, the two individuals in this play here. You see, if the harsh person is a Christian, then she knows or she should know that God will complete what he has started. And that's what we learn in Philippians 1.6, that what God begins in a person's life, he will complete it. Now, why is that important? Because that gives us hope. That's how we want to step into this situation. We want to step in as hope-filled Christians, knowing that if this person is a believer, then what God has begun, He's going to complete, and I can rest in God's sovereign care of this, this person's entire, entire narrative. And so I don't have to step into it angry, annoyed, put off, offended, nervous, anxious, or fearful. I can step into the situation hope-filled because God told me that what he has begun, he is going to complete. Now, if the harsh person is not a Christian, 
then we want to persuade them to come to Christ. And again, the same attitude is in play because condemnation is not an evangelistic method that we should employ. And so if they are a believer, we step in with hope. If they are not a believer, we step in with hope, knowing that God can do something for them that can radically change change their world. And so after, as you are assessing yourself, you want to begin from a God-centered perspective, recognizing that God's got, that got this, and so you step in with a heart of hope. All right. Let's talk about the unkind Christian. Now, what she has described here, it is difficult to speak to an unkind Christian. Taking what she has said here at face value, this person sounds like a fool. They sound like a a fool. And there's danger when confronting fools. Now, if you go inside this episode, 443, at this juncture in the show notes, I have a a link on the word fool, and it will take you to a 2,000-word article. And if you're interested in what the proverb says, sometimes you answer a fool, sometimes you answer not. It's a wisdom issue. I'm not going to work through all of that here. I would just encourage you to go to episode 443 and click on the word fool there, and it'll take you right to that article, and you can read it, and it will be beneficial for, for those of you who want to have more clarity on what, the pro, or what the writer was saying in Proverbs about answer a fool and answer not a fool. But the way that this person sounds, they sound like a foolish person, and so you have to put them in a category, and the categories that we see in Proverbs, one of those is the fool, the foolish person, the person who does foolishness, folly. Those words are very similar, and they fit in that category as opposed to the other category in Proverbs, one of the other categories in Proverbs, which is the wise person. This person is not acting wisely based on how you have described them. And so, uh, thinking that this person might be a fool, and you want to think more practically accurate as you assess and describe them, you want to go a little bit deeper in understanding them before you begin to confront them and engage them. For example, the core issue with this person is is self-righteousness. It is an elevated, greater-than, better-than attitude. This angry lady who is condemning the shun lady. She's not only acting like a fool, but she is self-righteous, meaning she's elevated above them. Now, that is a dangerous place to be. You see, there's no grace for a self-righteous person because God did not, Christ did not come for the righteous. Jesus came for the unrighteous the broken, the needy, the hungry, the poor. He came for the humble, not the elevated, proud, foolish, righteous person. And so this person is flying blind. And it's one of the reasons that you don't want to be angry with them. Actually, you want to pity them. You want to be heartbroken for them because they need God more than they probably realize. But then I would also, in addition to being foolish and, and being self-righteousness, uh, being self-righteous and flying blind, that this person is probably struggling with fear too. They are afraid that this lady is going to uh, is going to contaminate contaminate 
uh, her child. So she's acting out of fear. And many times anger is just that. Uh, Anger can be a manipulative tactic of the insecure person who acts out in anger in order to accomplish that which they are afraid might happen. And so they're trying to manipulate the situation through anger. And so rather than just saying that she's brutally invasive and using this hyperbolic language, you want to pare it down into biblical uh, typology, biblical descriptors. And so we have a possible foolish a fool here. You have an arrogant person. You have a self, self-righteous person who is flying blind. Uh, you have an insecure person as well. Now, what you may have, uh, there's a good chance that what's going on here is not an anomaly, meaning that this individual uses anger as an ongoing manipulative tactic to accomplish the things that she wants to accomplish in her life. It would be interesting if she's married to uh, see how that marriage is going and how their own children are, what's happening in their lives and how she has affected them if this is not just a one-off situation that she's trying to manipulate through anger because of her fearful, anxious insecurity. And so this is a deeper issue that you want to analyze if your goal is to help them. And and by the way, that is the question that you're asking me. How do you respond to an unkind uh, a Christian? And so first, assess yourself. Number two, uh, start with God. Uh, we step into this hope-filled. Number three, think about this unkind Christian uh, biblically. Now, if you do confront them, don't do it publicly. And by all means, don't do it on social media. Please don't, don't talk on social media. Don't do comfort confrontation on social media. Uh, There could be a time later that you enlarge the circle of awareness and that you do confront them publicly. But right now, you want to imitate the concept in Matthew 18, and you want to go to them privately first. You want to honor them. You want to give them an opportunity to be able to repent. Now, I'm assuming uh, that, that you want to be part of the solution and, and that you have the context and the relationship to be part of the solution. And if that is true, then you want, to, you want to go to them privately first. That's how you want to start. Now, I would encourage you uh, to gain another opinion, even before you confront privately. And that's okay to if you're talking to a person who has the competency, the discretion, and they're able to be part of the solution. You're not gossiping and slandering them if the motivation of your heart is redemption. You're not talking on social media, and you're not blabbing it out to every person that you see. Do you know what this lady said about uh, the unwed mother? You're not doing that. You're not gossiping or slandering, but you, you really focused on how to restore a broken soul, this lady who has done this unkind thing. And so it's not inappropriate to go and and talk to someone who has the competency uh, to be able to give insight because, well, we're not omniscient. And I guarantee you that whatever you know about this situation, you don't know everything about this situation. Now, that is a truth that applies to all of us. 
Uh, sometimes we can think we know exactly what happened in this situation, when in reality, that is never the case 100 times out of 100. And so borrowing brains and talking to someone and gaining their perspective and getting their counsel, by the way, you're doing that here. Uh, you're asking us, and, and that's why I'm sharing these things with you, and so I applaud you for that. But if there's someone in the local church, a leader specifically, that can come alongside this, that would be a win-win. That would be a best-case scenario because we are not uh, we are not omniscient. We really don't know everything. And the person that you talk to must be mature enough to steward what you are saying. And that is important because when we share our burdens with other people, uh, if we're not careful, we can share our burdens to the wrong person in the wrong way. And that individual does not have the competency to be able to steward what you're sharing with them. And they could add to the problem by taking up an offense. And now they're not part of the solution at all, but they are part of the problem. And so there are two people that are in need here. The unkind Christian that you have described, and you want to build a relational bridge to this individual, and you also want to build a relational bridge to the shunned lady, and I'll talk more about her in just a moment, but there are two people here that stand in need of God's grace, albeit they stand in a different way in need of God's grace. And again, I caveat this, assuming that it's within your scope of possibilities to be able to care for them. And so we have the arrogant Christian, uh, the person with the condemning spirit. They have more profound and expansive issues than just carelessly rebuking this woman. And I have outlined some of those uh, expansive issues in addition to the words that, that, that she has used to this unwed mother. Uh, she could be a fool. There is arrogance in operation here. There is self-righteousness here. There is uh, sinful anger, of course, and then the motive of the sinful anger uh, could be probably is fear, insecurity, anxiousness, worry, uh, because she is afraid of, of this person contaminating her dear child. And then what you may also find is a habituation, that this is not the first time that she used anger as a manipulative tactic. And then you have the lady with the baby. And uh, she has a story. And I don't know what the story is, but she just didn't show up on planet Earth with a baby from a man that she is not married to. And so she has a long story. The unwed mother, uh, the baby... Uh, is the the tip of the iceberg. And so you want to come alongside her, and you want to do it for all sorts of reasons. One, you want to help to restore her, to help her. She has needs just like the rest of us. And so you want to love on this lady. You also want to uh, let her see a better representation of Christ. I don't know what her Christian experience is, uh, but if she's an unwed mother, I could assume that she is young in the Lord or she doesn't know Jesus at all. Maybe she has showed up at the church building because uh, she is actually looking for help and she meet, the greeter that she meets is this woman who is condemning her. But I, I don't know, but you want to step inside her story. John chapter uh, 4 is, is a beautiful picture of this when Jesus was engaging the Samaritan woman. 
but you want to care for her, you want to listen to her story, you want to give a better representation of who Christ is. And for both of these people, Galatians 6 would apply to them because both of them are caught uh, in sin, but they're caught differently, as I've been explaining here. And so remember Paul's words, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, you who have the Spirit, not the unnatural person that doesn't have the Spirit. So he's saying that you Christians, you have the Spirit, and so you want to come alongside this person, and you want to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Now, it would be easy to restore the lady in a spirit of gentleness because you will feel sorry for her, I would imagine. But as I have been saying, you want to guard your heart against this uh, loud-talking, arrogant person who is condemning the shunned lady, and you want to restore her in a spirit of gentleness as well. Paul went on to say, keep watch on yourself lest you too be Tempted. And so Galatians 6.1 gives us some wonderful advice. As I said earlier, condemnation is not the way to motivate a person to change. And the temptation would be to condemn the person uncharitably, the lady who is condemning. And guess what? It would make you just like her. It would be another iteration of who she is. We, many of us have done this as parents. I have. I've talked about it before in, uh, in, uh, on our website. I have an, an article uh, I sinned against my daughter the other day. I think that's the title of it. Uh, you can search it out on our website. But what I was talking about is that uh, uh, our daughter sinned, and my response to her sin was to get sinfully angry at her sin. And, and I illustrated it like in football parlance where a person is down. They're already down. The play is over. And then the, 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 other, the opposing team comes and just plops right down on him. That's called piling on, and you get a 15-yard penalty for that. You get a yellow flag for that. Well, you don't want to get a yellow flag by, by being as uncharitable as this individual was being to this shunned lady. Stewarding offenses without taking up an offense is for the mature. That is high-end Christianity when you can uh, either see an offense happening or you hear about an offense and, and you're stepping in to be part of the solution. You have to be able to steward it well. The condemning lady should have looked at her with compassion and sought to get to know this shunned woman's uh, story while bringing the hope of the gospel to her. This attitude is the same spirit that you will need for the condemner. One of the things that I like to ask uh, in a situation like this is that, are you for them? I call this the for me aspect of the gospel. You read this in Romans 8.31, if God is for you, who can be against you? We want God for us. We want Him on our side, and that is very motivating to us, and it helps us to persevere through difficult situations, as Paul was outlining in Romans 8. Well, we can imitate the gospel at that point by being for other people. Let me give you an illustration of what I mean. My former boss in my former life told me that I was going to go to hell if I did not become a Christian. Now, he said it this way. He said, Rick, do you believe what you were saying about 30 minutes ago when I basically said I don't believe the Bible? 
And I said, yeah, I, I believe that. He said, you're going to hell. Just like, just like that, you're going to hell. As I was standing beside my milling machine, I can still see it now, that green machine. And he's standing there on the end of it. His name was Ricky, by the way. Ricky Price, by the way, is his name. He said, you're going to hell. Now, you could say that those words were harsh and brutal. I didn't take them that way. You see, I knew that my boss was for me. We were friends, or we are friends. I haven't talked to him in a while. I assume we're still friends. But we were friends then. And I knew that he was on my side. And so he was for me. He said some very strong language. But see, we had a relationship. And so he was on my side. Now, that is what this condemning lady needs to experience from you. If you go and rebuke a fool as she is, you want to make sure you have that relational bridge built. You need to be very careful because they need to know that you're actually not doing to them what she did to this young lady. And so you want to build a relational bridge if possible or try to craft your communication in such a way that there is no question that anyone could deny uh, that you're not for this lady. Now, ultimately, if she is a fool, there's nothing that you could say uh, that's going to make it right. But that's on her. Uh, you, You can't control people's responses and outcomes but, but you can shape them wrongly by being unkind and unwise in your communication. And so my boss could say virtually anything to me, and he said quite, quite directly, you're going to hell. And I could receive that because I knew we had a relationship established, and I knew that he was for me. Now, you probably don't have time maybe to build a relational bridge. I don't know if you know this lady or not. But you want to walk tenderly and carefully and courageously as you communicate to her. And and the best that you can, she needs to know that you're on her side, that you're you're part of God's restoration team, and you're operating from a presupposition of hope. And so you want to communicate with love and compassion and courage meaning that you're not going to just take the corners right right off of it and say it in such a way that it's some kind of sloppy, grace, lovey thing that, that, that really takes the force of the gospel out of it. There are two ditches here, being uh, a wimp on this side and then just being harsh on the other side. And that is a wisdom issue to walk down that straight and narrow path. All right, so how do you help them? Uh, There are four things to keep in mind. In addition to everything that I've said, understand the arrogant. Understand this person as I have outlined. And also recognize that we can be just like them, and so we want to guard our heart. Number two, attempt to build that relational bridge in order to restore them if possible. If there's any way that you can just lengthen this out and take time before you uh, get to the actual point of rebuking this person, I don't know what the time constraints are. You don't want to create an artificial timeline to get something accomplished. And so maybe you can stretch this out and build relationally with this foolish lady, and maybe that you would be able to care for her ultimately. Uh, These are wisdom issues that I can't speak into because I'm not there and I don't have all the data. But if you talk to someone 
uh, within the assembly, within your church. Uh, maybe they can speak into that, and maybe you can sculpt a craft, a plan to be able to care for her. And so understand her, attempt to build a bridge to her. And then number three, seek, seek the shunned lady out to help her if possible, assuming that there is a context to care for her. I, I don't want to put all of this soul care responsibility on you, uh, it may be outside of your skill set. As you honestly assess yourself, it's like, wow, I don't think that I can help at this level. That's humble. That's honest. Don't disqualify yourself out of fear. Uh, you may disqualify yourself as you assess your competency to be able to help this person. But you can be a friend to them, you can get to know them, and then you can bring in someone else that can actually take care of them. What you don't want to happen is for either one of these two people to fall through the cracks. You want to at least try to provide care. Now, they may not receive it. Both of them may not be interested in receiving that kind of restorative care, but you, you have to try, you have to attempt. And again, if you have to bring someone else involved, that's okay. Uh, it's okay. Uh, the woman at the well, a after Jesus spoke to her, she couldn't bring high-level soul care to people. She went into town and she said, come see a man. Come see a man. I mean, he can take care of you. I, I'm not in the position yet. I'm still, I'm just, I just started drinking milk. I haven't been eating meat for, I haven't been eating meat at all. And so I want you to come see a man. And so maybe you have to do that. Make sure, number four, do not complain. Do not gossip to other people about this problem. So you want to be careful that the people that you talk to, and I've said this earlier, but I want to repeat it here because the temptation here is to gossip or complain. And those things can be kissing cousins. And so you want to keep the circle as tight as possible as you talk about this situation. This is episode 443. How do you respond to an unkind Christian? Now, when interacting with a self-righteous person who has sinned against someone else, I just want to finish with just a few short questions to ask you. And again, all of these questions are embedded in the show notes of episode 443. Number one, are you for this unkind Christian? Now, we can apply this to all of us that are watching the video, listening to the podcast. Think of some unkind Christian in your life. Are you for them? If you're not for them, then that is your first call to action, doing business with God to recalibrate your heart so that you can be for them, a fellow image bearer. Because you don't want to move from this place. You don't want to go forward until your heart is adjusted, that you have the right attitude toward that person. Whether you're talking about them to someone else or talking to them about whatever's going on in the relationship. Once you start opening your mouth, you have to make sure before that you are for this person, a fellow image bearer. Whether they're saved or lost, all people are made in the image of God. Number two, do you have compassion for this misguided Christian? Again, this can apply to all of us. And so let's say that you have a misguided Christian in your life. Do you have compassion? Are you for them? Do you have compassion uh, for this person. You want to remember God made this person in his image, so we must carefully and courageously cooperate with God in the restoration of people. And then finally, number three, are you modeling the Christ that you want this person to emulate? Now, that's a big question. And so you want this 
unkind Christian to emulate Christ to the shunned woman. Well, as you go to this unkind Christian, are you going to emulate Christ to them? And so we want to be the prerequisite models of Christ. We want to emulate Christ. We want to be Christ-like as we go out and export export that Christ-likeness to others. Episode 443, how do you respond to an unkind Christian? I've given you a lot to think about here. If you go to episode 443, you can look through the show notes. I mentioned one already. How do you respond to a fool, to engage a fool, not engage a fool? Uh, That's there. There's other embedded links as well. And so just take this template, episode 443, and just use it and, and just do a deeper dive in how to interact with unkind believers. Thank you so much and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.